You want to call me a panko in the papers? Do it! None of the people that go to my fucking movies can read it! Hello and welcome to another episode of History Lesson Part 2. I'm Jackson McDonald. I'm Tyler Shipley. And this time around, we will be discussing a movie that has been on Tyler's radar for since we started. For longer than really since we started. Since we started talking about doing the show. It's 2006's uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, directed by Ken Loach, and starring Killian Murphy and... Uh, uh, is it pa- yeah parig delaney is the other guy the other brother um i'm impressed that i remembered that um, yeah uh by as a means of introducing this um obviously tyler you're you're going to uh handle a lot of the uh the sort of leading the discussion here because i know this is a movie you feel very passionately about it's a movie you've seen multiple times I only watched it once, and I only watched it once for two reasons. One, the first being that I enjoyed it so much that I didn't want to just watch it again as a homework thing because I know that I will want to watch this movie a bunch more times. And I know that a lot of movies that I've covered for podcasts in the past, when I watch them to discuss them, Sometimes it kind of takes uh, a large chunk of the mystique or the like magic out of it. And I didn't want to do that for this movie because I enjoyed it so much. I can promise you that will not happen. Fair. Because I am on I am on like 15 to 20 times now. But I (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Uh, And then the second reason, the more important reason is that of all the movies that we've covered on the show so far, this one was by far the hardest for me to track down and watch. And (laughs) the reason for that is that... So, okay. So, for those of you that want to take the coward's way out, this movie is available to buy and rent on Amazon Prime. But I, you know, I usually don't, really buy into the you you don't destroy the master's house with the master's tools thing or whatever um but in this case the idea of giving money to jeff bezos to watch Mm -hmm. this movie just Mm -hmm. this movie specifically was so repellent to me Mm -hmm. that i had to find an alternate way of watching it and uh for ages and ages and ages i i had it i had the tab saved in my phone uh on the internet archive but then when I went to watch the copy of it that was on the Internet Archive, it was such poor quality that I was once again like, ah, oh, fuck. I Again, I want to give Tyler like the the, you know, I want to do pay Tyler the respect of watching this movie in a proper way. Thank you. And Thank and, you. you know, if we take some movies that we've watched in the past. As an example, like some of those ones that I did for the uh, Trumbo episode, the supplemental movies for the Trumbo episode, I didn't care about the quality of those movies because neither did the filmmakers. Um, <laughs> but uh, and and even the like spaghetti westerns that I watch and stuff like yeah. I-, I watched a fistful of dynamite on a pretty low quality rip, but it, that's 
that works for a movie like that because it sort of just gives the feeling of watching it on an old VHS and the audio doesn't sync up properly anyways. So it's not taking too much away. Uh, But for this one, I was like, you know, I got 30 seconds in and I'm like, nah, this is too low quality for a movie that looks like this, that has all the Mm -hmm. it's an old movie now. It's it's God, almost 20 years old, which is so that makes me feel really old. Um, But it's. You know, it has all the hallmarks of a modern movie, whatever that means, like it, it's kind of dimly lit. It's shot on high quality cameras like you need to watch it in at Mm. least like standard definition quality um Mm. and so i scoured the internet for um i i i don't have obviously i would never endorse torrenting uh that's a crime (laughs) um but i don't i just literally don't have the space on my hard drive to download movies uh, legally or otherwise so I, i had to find a website that would stream it and then so I, I, I found probably three or four or five and I kept trying them and they kept just having issues because I, I, I don't have an HDMI cable anymore. Or actually, that's a lie. I'll just be on. I'm too lazy to plug my computer into my TV and unplug the fucking, it, I hate it. It sucks. So I just yeah, airplay I it, it from my phone, right? Yeah. Uh, cause that takes two seconds and it's super easy. So I know I realize this is a long, a long story and it's not that interesting, <laughs> but I just, it's important it's for long and winding. It's, it's very important. So I finally, found like a sketchy uh you know website that was not in english i can't remember if it was it it was in some kind of language that's that doesn't use like typical english characters i did not recognize what alphabet it was uh (laughs) that's how far i had to go and um and then uh not only after finally finding one that kind of worked I'm like air playing it from my phone and then it just keeps crapping out after like two minutes. And so finally I realized that like, you know, you ever airplayed anything from your phone? Like it's like, it's weird. It, it works really well for well-established things. But anytime you start trying to stream something off of something that's not like YouTube, Twitch, daily motion, et cetera, it just really like, it gets very uh, finicky. And so finally, I mean, the, I, the wingdings, the wingdings website that you were yeah. using, that sounds like it probably didn't help. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. So, you know, so finally, I after after it craps out for like the third time in two minutes, I'm like, oh, fuck, why is this happening? And then I realized it's because my phone keeps like for whatever reason that it won't airplay with the screen in full screen it'll only airplay with the screen like streaming off the website and i just realized that my phone kept falling asleep like it kept like locking and then the movie would stop playing and so finally i went into the settings on my phone and i fucking changed the settings on my phone and then finally i streamed this movie and i i I guess what i'm trying to say is that the experience of trying to watch this movie because of my refusal to give money to the modern British empire, mm-hmm. amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it really put me in the headspace to enjoy this movie uh, because I felt <laughs> like in some small way, I understood the struggle now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you um, were right there. You were right there. So yeah, um, I I guess I'll on that note, <laughs> I will hand the keys over to you uh, and let you uh, because I'm sure you will do a much better job not only explaining uh, the plot of the movie itself because you've seen it like 20 times, but also uh, what the movie is about because I I got to be honest with you, um, I do I do have I would like to think like probably a uh as far as people outside of uh the you know the british isles and and ireland um a a lot more knowledge about the subject matter than probably the average person does but the conflict between ireland and the british empire and then within ireland is such a long and sprawling and complicated thing that even feeling like you know a little bit about you know, 5% of it, 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 it's, you're closer to knowing absolutely nothing than you are to having like a real understanding of, uh, mm. of what's going on there. So yeah, I'll hand the keys over you to are, you now yeah. to, uh, no, I mean, to discuss this, uh, the plot of this movie and the, the context for it, because I could never hope to, to do an effective job of that. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's true. Like, um, I mean, one thing off the top that I would say about this movie, uh, if you if you've ever seen the the, the meme uh, where it's where it's me talking to liberals and me talking to other communists. Ah, uh, yeah. And, okay. Right. And, and uh, talking to other communists, it's like Plato and Socrates. It's one of those drawings of like, you know, ancient Athenian philosophers engaged in, in debate. Mm-hmm. And then the picture underneath me talking to liberals is a, a parent speaking to a baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. And and when I watch this film, it's it's the it's like being in the Plato and Socrates. It's like, mm. oh, my God, I'm actually I'm actually in being I'm, I'm this movie treats me like an adult. Yeah. When I watch political films, even even films that I like, I mean, mm-hmm. we watched, you know, you mentioned Trumbo. Sure. And I mean, it was fine. Yeah, you know, totally. Was, yeah. I gave it a B, I think it was fine. But I mean, it had the political maturity and acumen of a child. It, it had an, it, it was absolutely juvenile in terms of like its real depth of political analysis. And I just have come to be used to that from mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. all movies. So to sit down with Ken Loach and be brought into the the nuances, meaningful nuances of a revolutionary situation um, like, it's just such a treat. It's just like, it's such a relief, um, you know, mm. to, to even have a film be engaged at that level. And I don't necessarily think you need to know a lot of the context. I mean, I think that's part of what makes the film so good is that it it is hyper-specific, but it is also absolutely Ken Loach understands what is universal mm-hmm. about yeah. the Irish struggle. And so, and so the film, everything that you see in the film could be any revolutionary situation. Definitely. It could be any anti-colonial struggle and every single piece, uh, every thematic element of this story would absolutely resonate in every single other anti-colonial situation. So, that's something I like about it. I don't actually feel like I need to set up a ton of history or context for what happens in the film, besides that the British have enforced a capitalist colonial rule on Ireland uh, and Irish people um, are, are, you know, broke and angry and being 
you know, mistreated in every possible way by British authorities. There have been pushbacks and, and, and you know, attempts at revolution, uh, which are met with force and violence and, and bullying and murder and, um, you know, sexual violence and so on. And, um, and that's the context. And that's just like every colonial situation. Um, and the film depicts, you know, the struggle against it. And it, and it does that in just a brilliantly organic way, um, I think, which is why I've come back to it so many times. It's why it was the, you know, first text that we were sending about doing this podcast. It was on the top of my list. Um, it's why I assigned this film. I mean, we've been laughing about this off the air, but like for years I assigned this film in a course that I taught. Uh, and you know, this is an elective course. I cannot wait to get into that. (laughs) Right. I mean, this is an elective course for students, you know, learning to be electricians or, you know, jazz guitarists <laughs> or nurses. And, you know, sure. they had to take this yeah. elective, you know, it's a Friday afternoon. I got to fill the schedule out. Uh, yeah, there's some history class. I'll take that. Uh, you know, and then they get in and, and it's like, now we're going to discuss, uh, you know, the execution of Chris Riley, a young Irish fighter who Damien had known his whole <laughs> life, uh, you know, yeah. but he, he gave up sensitive information. And so this the question of revolutionary discipline, what do we do if someone on our side, you know, like just questions yeah. that must have at some level seemed absurd to these students. But I mean, I also want to say, uh, I mean, they did great with it. Most of the students love the film because it is excellent. That's and awesome. And it's yeah, right? it is. Like, it's, it's great. And you talk about the universality of it and something that I was just, th- I was thinking about the whole time you were talking about that, about just like how like this movie is about Ireland, but it really could be about literally anything. And mm-hmm. like, I-, I swear to God, like uh, I-, I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the Andor guy, um, oh, uh, yeah. you know, who yeah, you were, you were, uh, uh, no, that's the, the, the actor, but the 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 guy who made it, like the the oh, director okay, or okay, writer okay. or whoever, his name escapes me at the moment. But you were a a fan of that show, yeah. I like yeah. I liked it a fair bit. I do think it's probably the best thing that Disney has slapped the the Star Wars name onto since they acquired it. But like somebody has to get in that guy's ear and and figure out how to get Disney to give him money to just make a Star Wars version of this story <laughs> slapped onto the, uh, the, because like, you know, I mean, obviously you'd lose a little bit of the fighter touches, but I think if you, if you like star Warsified this story, people would fucking like get it immediately. Like it would be putting oh, yeah. it into a context that people would immediately understand and be like, why is he, why would you do all this, yeah. you know, go through all this trouble just to, yeah. Anyways, I mean, I, yeah. I'm putting the cart before the horse cause I, I want to get to that part organically, but yeah, yeah. Well, but that's what I want to do. I mean, because this was one that I really pushed us to do and I've been chomping at the bit to do this for so long. Uh, and because I've been watching it for years and I've watched it so many times, um, like I want to hear your reactions as you know, in, yeah. in as we, the long and winding road through which you finally watched it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, when you finally did get the, when you airplayed it from the phone and the phone was awake and you got it on the screen (laughs) and it wasn't in windings, like, um, like what stood out for you? What did you take from it? What, what struck you? Like, what is your reaction kind of overall to, to seeing it? 
Well, okay. I mean, I have to, I have to start with, uh, as because it is kind of my, um, my role, I guess, on the show is how much it just succeeds as a movie. Like, oh, yeah. I really, so this was the first, obviously, I have heard of Ken Loach. He wasn't a, this wasn't like a new, uh, discovery to me or whatever. Known about Ken Loach for a long time. Uh, I kind of, I feel like I, I generally understood what his deal was, but you know, this is the sad sort of thing. As a general rule, his movies are not super easy to, like, it's not like I would ever just be scrolling Netflix and be like, oh, it's Ken Loach. I'll put that in my list. You know, yeah, they're hard to find. They're, they're really harder hard to find. To find. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two, maybe. Uh, I, I feel like there's a decent chance that there might always be one kind of cycling through Criterion. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at a at a given time, there might be one or two Ken Loach movies on there. Um, mm-hmm. But he's also had such a long and sprawling career. And the critical response to his work, I, I think he's he's viewed sort of differently by different critics. And so it can be kind of hard to get a sense of, like, where should where should I start? Um, a lot of his, I'm, I guess one thing I will say, I am really glad that I started with this one, I think, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. my general, um, the general vibe that I get from him and his career is that he usually does much smaller scale slice of life kind of, um, kind of movies, you know, like mm-hmm. the political convictions always there, but um it, this is his you know this is his epic like this was this is it was the um the highest grossing independent irish movie of all time at the time that it was released it's since been surpassed by something else mm-hmm. um but it's it's the highest grossing movie of his career i think it's also the highest budget movie of his career like it's a real war epic and mm-hmm. i have to say that um like it, there's there's this funny thing about it where between you know knowing who directed it and the the title not being like an Im- immediately obvious what that has to do with anything mm-hmm. um you know like if you told me it, it, it's always funny when this happens like when just the the reality of something at least at a cursory glance just like totally lines up perfectly with your assumptions about it or your or like the joke version of it because like an Irish movie called The Wind That Shakes the Barley, directed by Ken Loach, is like I can't tell. But before knowing that that movie existed, I couldn't tell if that was a real thing or something that I just said as an example <laughs> of a Ken Loach movie that yeah, would exist. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I I assumed it would be good. And I assumed it would be, would be obviously politically sophisticated. Um, but I also kind of thought that it might sort of be a little dry or boring. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the subject matter and just because like, like, look, there are really great movies that cover things like this that are a little dry or a little hard to get into or a little, take a little while to sort of set up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that wouldn't be like, uh, um that that's not a a knock on any of those movies it that is just sometimes 
what you need to do to tell the story you're trying to tell effectively. But the things that sort of surprised me about this and that impressed me so much is that I like I I aside from taking maybe 10 minutes to just, you know, be able to really clearly feel like I understood what the characters were saying, because obviously they speak in a, a pretty thick brogue like mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it, you know, and that's something that I expect I'll get out of multiple watches. And I'll, I, the next time I watch it, I'll probably watch it with subtitles mm-hmm. Um, just to but I didn't want to do like I didn't want to take my eyes off the screen for this one. I wanted to just experience it as if um, it had been wheeled into the classroom yeah. on a CRT yeah. and just put in front of me and just here's the fucking movie. And I, right. and I've said before that there are like various tiers of that type of movie. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and this is like the best one that I can think yeah. of really basically like, uh, you know, this is way better than, than even like, you know, I think Schindler's list was probably the best movie I ever watched in high school. Um, in terms of just like, you know, watching a movie and at 16 being engaged and being emotionally mm-hmm. affected by it. Uh, mm-hmm. and then the only thing that, that the only movies that would even remotely compare to this are like movies I actually watched in my history and film class in college. Right. Um, like, uh, you know, like, um, uh, it's the Steinbeck book. I love the book. Why, why can I remember? Oh, Grapes of Wrath. Oh, Grapes of Wrath. Wrath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like like a movie like that or yeah or you know there were a couple other good ones too um I but mean, the like thing, the thing about this yeah. one is that it like you don't expect when when you set yourself up to watch a film about the Irish Republican struggle against colonialism and the split in the IRA between the socialists and the nationalists mm-hmm. you don't expect to be drawn into the emotional inner life of the main characters yeah. to nearly the, the extent that you are. And, and I mean, I, I, I said this to you today. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to take a little bit of time this afternoon to rewatch a few key scenes just to remind myself <laughs> about those scenes. And you ended and up the, watching the whole movie. I ended up watching the whole thing because <laughs> in, in, instantly yep. in that first sequence where the black and tans, the British soldiers, yep. Um, harass, uh, intimidate, and then ultimately kill one of these guys for the simple act of playing field hockey. Um, yeah. it's so, it's so well rendered emotionally. Like it is so well done as a film mm-hmm. that you're just instantly pulled in. And, and I mean, this is part of the strength of, I think any good political film is that you're not drawn in by the politics. You're no. drawn in by an emotional response yeah. to something. You're immediately drawn into this film by the profound and and immediate injustice that you're witnessing, that you feel instantly and you instantly care about. And everything that happens after that is propelled by you care. You care because you care about what happened and you're and you can understand exactly what Damien, the main character, must be feeling as he's watching these things play out. That's more than what you'd get from, I think, the average kind of political film. Yeah, even certainly. even yeah. ones that we've positively reviewed like Che, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, totally. we both really liked Che, but you watch Che because you want to get a sense of his political analysis, how it all went mm-hmm. down. Like this film is different. This film immediately 
um, draws you in emotionally in a way that I think is unexpected, certainly at, at the beginning. Well, it's funny you say that because Che is the movie that it most reminds me of, of all the movies that we've covered on the show so far. Che and, and made a one, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, but I, I, I have to say as much, if you consider Che as two parts, um, I, or, or then, then I would say, it's it's re- it's a real close toss up between Shea Part One and this, which one I enjoyed more. But mm-hmm. but as like a whole, as like a whole complete uh, film, which is the way Soderbergh intended it. Like yeah, no, this one's better. I like it more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, and same thing even with Madewan, which I also thought was really fucking good. But uh, the the part of the reason I compare it to Madewan is because once again. Uh, I do. I I do not want to pull any punches about this. This is a four quadrant Jackson movie. It has guns <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah, it does have guns. It's it does got have guns. cool guys. Yeah, that that are on screen doing cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got hateful sloganeering, which is a, a very important. You know, like <laughs> I, I it has you know lines in the movie. That where you like want to screenshot the line and be like, yep. you know, uh, just point, just like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen in uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, yeah. um, and obviously uh, it it's like it has a fucking point to it, which yeah. is also great. But um, I was I was just like I was really drawn in by just how like accessible it was i think really that was the Mm -hmm. the one of the things that surprised me so much is i just i didn't Mm -hmm. expect it to be as accessible as it was really um i thought it might just be a little bit harder to get into and and it's not and i really admire that about it like i admire that it's you know it's about two hours long you know maybe a little bit more uh there's a there's a there are versions of this movie that would be like four hours long yeah. And they'd probably still be really good. And I'd if there's like a director's cut version of this that has an additional like yeah. a bunch of time, I would watch it. That no question. Yeah. But I really do admire that it it just doesn't it doesn't stay on anything too long. It's very yeah. much like okay, yeah, like uh, we're 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 moving along here. We're moving from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Each scene. You can, if you were to to take notes or to describe the plot of the movie, like you would be able to say each scene, this is what's happening and this is why it's happening. Like, yeah, exactly. even in the series that don't necessarily, scene. yeah, even you know, I would say most scenes actually do like, like it's not uncut gems, but it's like most scenes move the fucking plot along. You know, yeah. most scenes yeah. are a thing happens and then consequences happen due to the thing that happens. Yeah. Um, but. And on the fairly rare occasion that that's not what's happening, the scenes are all like very important for character development for, you know, I I don't want to call it world building when it's a real like thing that happened. But, you know, like context establishing Um, Mm -hmm. just for um, listeners who aren't like who are, you know, like me from maybe about five years ago and have basically no uh real context for the conflict that it's uh portraying do you want to just give like a very quick 
uh, it's the Anglo-Irish War and then the Irish Civil War, right? Do you want to just give a, like, yeah. a very quick summary of what that is? Yeah, I mean, the quick version of it is, you know, we're talking about um, early 20th century uh, during and, and just after the First World War. I think mm-hmm. the movie is set in 1916 uh, from 1916 to 17 or 16 to 18, something like that. Totally. Um, and this is uh, Ireland is still fully colonized uh, by Britain. Um, but Irish people have been fighting now for solid, um, 30 years on and off, you know, with, as these things go, um, with, with sort of uprisings, uh, that are then crushed by force, which then slows it down for a while, but then another uprising and, and sort of cycle of that, um, and the context of the first world war, um, exhausts British resources to a certain extent, um, and British will to hold on to Ireland uh, starts to diminish, um, particularly in uh, the south, the, the less industrialized parts. They don't want to give up the north um, because that's where they're making the most money, um, but they're they're starting to um, be open, at least, to the idea of giving up the south, uh, and this. This is the struggle. This is the revolutionary struggle that ultimately does end with um, the independence of Southern Ireland. Uh, And so the first, I would say, two thirds of the film and there's an abrupt shift, um, you know, and I think I think is really important. Um, But the first two thirds of the film is basically the struggle of the Irish people against Britain. That's kind of how it's framed. That's kind of how it feels. It's Irish people who are, who are colonized uh, as Irish people who are struggling against Brit, you know, English, British uh, colonialism. At that point, two thirds of the way through the film, when Britain finally says, okay, here's the deal. Uh, we don't, want to proceed with this war any further you can have an independent irish free state in the south you still are part of the british empire you're still a dominion you still have to swear an oath to the king but um you can you can run your little irish free state we're going to hang on to the north that's still part of britain and that's the moment at which the uh, irish republican struggle splits between those that want to accept this compromise and those who feel it is a betrayal of what they were fighting for in the first place. And that's the pivotal moment in the film, even though the first two thirds in many ways are setting the table and, and building the emotional, everything that you're wrapped up in emotionally, the, the pivotal, pivotal shift is, uh, as in every revolutionary struggle, the mm-hmm. moment when the line between the nationalists and the socialists finally emerges and look pick a struggle pick an anti-colonial struggle anywhere in the world and i will point you to those moments and i will point you to the the key places at which that division happens a division between those who basically want to maintain the same kind of society but under native rule right so algeria uh, an independent algeria not french controlled but algerian controlled but with essentially the same structure of society and Algerians, you know, exploiting other Algerians and Algerians running yeah, the state you're, and so you're, on. This is great because you're outrunning me on all this stuff because that because the Battle of Algiers is the other movie. I know. That comes, another know. movie that we'll have to cover at some point. But that's but another movie sure. that, and, that makes me think of like I, I believe I after I saw this, 
I, the message I sent to you was I, I've been trying to figure out whether saying that this is Irish Che or Irish Battle of Algiers <laughs> yeah. is a better exactly. way of framing it. But yeah, exactly. it, it, you're you're right. It's a it's a it, this this story is a universal story because at any point, I mean, fuck, even like uh, even the American Civil War has a moment like this, and it's not nationalists and and socialists it's a it's a sort of vaguely proto uh idea of that conflict but like there's always you know when we talked about django or whatever like um the the sort of uh uh going going from uh lincoln and thaddeus stevens and like these these figures who like actually do want to fundamentally restructure the United States and make it look like a completely, completely fucking different thing from what it looks like at that moment versus the people who want to hand the keys directly back to the slave owners and go. Exactly. It's fine. <laughs> Just do whatever exactly. you want. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like it's something that, and you know, it speaks to the universality of it. It's something that people will be familiar with, even if they're not familiar with this particular yeah. uh, conflict. Exactly. Anyone who's ever thought about anti-colonial revolution in any place will know this this problem, right? And and of course, there's the great line. I mean, one of the best characters in the film is uh, Dan, who is the train conductor, who early on in the film, mm -hmm. we see him um, upholding a decision by the train uh, driver's union to not allow British soldiers to uh, be, be using the trains and transporting weapons around the country. He upholds that, mm -hmm. refuses to allow British soldiers onto the train, and they you know, basically beat him up and beat up a couple of other uh, rail workers. Um, and he becomes a really, really, he becomes the conscience, I would argue, of the film. He is, yeah. he is Ken Loach speaking to us right there's yeah, there's totally. various different figures who are who represent different elements of uh you know what it is to be in a revolution uh and and dan is is i think as close as there is to ken loach he's the memory he's older he remembers earlier parts of the struggle and at a really in a wonderful scene he and damien are both in a british prison cell together and they both know the words to a James Connolly speech. James Connolly was an Irish socialist, mm, yeah. uh, you know, who had been part of an earlier wave of these uh, struggles. And, you know, Dan is the one who says at some point during the debates and the debate scenes are some of the best scenes. They're so well yeah, done. They're really can good. Come back yeah. to it, but they're amazing. But Dan says at some point, you know, if you sign this treaty with the British, all you're doing is you're changing the color of the flag. Uh, and the language, you know, that they use to exploit you. The accent. Um, the, the only thing that will change is yes. the, it says the only thing that will change is the color of the flag and the accents of the powerful, which yes. once again, hateful sloganeering. This yes. is the shit that I'm here for. Yes. Like yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. something that you could put on a poster like I, I when it's earned, when it's actually done well, I love that shit. So, yeah. so many times the shit that goes on the poster is like. I mean, okay, like it's it's appropriate we're talking about this Killian Murphy movie because obviously, um, you know, Oppenheimer, its moment has it's sort of waning now. Um, but uh, but you know, Killian Murphy is certainly probably going to get an Oscar for that movie. Certainly going to get a nomination. I really like him. He's good in the movie. I I know you haven't seen it. I have. It's a it's not bad. I didn't. I it was you know it's the same way I feel about most Christopher Nolan movies. It's pretty good, not really for me, but that you know your mileage may vary. But 
like Nolan is a guy who is, I'm sorry, at every opportunity, super guilty of just fucking every line as a line for the poster. And it never feels mm-hmm. earned. This is my opinion. You may feel differently, but I, I just the one of the worst criminals of the line that is too good to be believed too good to to not feel to not take you out of it every time it comes out of a character's mouth um mm-hmm. i i you know a line like that like the only thing that's going to change is the accents of the powerful and the color of the flag is pithy it does feel like something that came from somebody who thought had a lot of time to think about it but it also it, the way it's presented in the movie, it also feels like, you know how um, in, uh, you know, we talked uh, about this in when we did the It's a Wonderful Life episode, how the like the best, probably the best scenes in that movie are the scenes where Jimmy Stewart just kind of starts going off. Yeah. And and he he kind of stumbles once yes. in a while and he but then he'll hit on something and it's like brilliant and it's like. Yeah, it's like a slogan or something or like a, 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 a something that's that almost feels like a little too well put. But because of the context that it comes in, you, you know, there's you might get that one sentence of dialogue that's like a perfect stinger to mm-hmm. to to throw on a um, on a poster or something. But in the context of the us and the and the, the exactly. thinking about it and it feels totally earned. Yeah. Um, And this I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, this is a film that having watched it many times, I've really come to appreciate the way that clearly Ken Loach gave his actors and and the people involved. He gave them some lines (laughs) and he gave them like, this is who you are. This is what you believe in general. And then in in some of these really key scenes he he obviously allowed them to kind of wing it, um, mm-hmm. which is why in that exact speech that we're talking about that Dan gives where he uses that line, he stumbles. He stumbles yeah, a couple exactly. times in it and and not in staged ways, in very real, just, you know, an actor as a person would trying to get the words out. And several of the characters do this. Um you know, never in like a really big and obvious way, always subtle, but just enough that you always feel like these people are having a spontaneous discussion. They're having a spontaneous yeah. discussion about something they know a lot about and they care a lot about. So they're able to make real points, but it is still spontaneous and people still talk over each other from time to time. And Dan has to, a couple times in that speech, Dan has to assert his right to keep speaking as other people start to try to jump in. Right. And, and he, so it just has such an organic feel, um, which I think, you know, is one of my regular frustrations with political scenes, political debate scenes mm-hmm. in movies. It's yeah. like everyone's sitting around waiting to take their turn and speak and speak a perfectly prepared yeah. line, which opens up to the, I mean, okay, yeah. I get it. I understand the limitations of the media that we're dealing with here. But for fuck's sake, you know, that's not what these meetings feel like. I've been in them my whole no, life. And it's frustrating because I think the reason it's frustrating has less to do with um, the uh, with, the, you know, a, a movie's duty to to perform realism, which is a like very uh, 
complicated and like sort of divisive thing to talk about because like there are a lot of cases where someone would say like I do I I think I've even said on the show before that to me like a stupid guy's the 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 uh prime stupid guy criticism of a movie is that it's not enough like real life you uh-huh. know yeah yeah but yeah I think the problem with the kind of the bad version of the scene that you're describing is that while like movies or speeches having a a rehearsed or a, you know, dialogue having a rehearsed quality in a movie is to some degree it comes with the territory to some degree it might be, you know, like. I want everything. When I watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, I want everything to feel rehearsed. I want everything to be too yeah. perfect because otherwise it doesn't really work. It's exactly. not a realistic. Exactly. It's not supposed to be realistic. Yeah, but exactly. What why it bothers me so much in political movies is that you you've seen this also in real life, and it, it's it's like when you turn on cnn or like i uh must embarrassingly admit when i used to watch bill maher when i was a teenager <laughs> or whatever and i would watch these like political shows usually because there was nothing else on and i would be fucking going back and forth between my computer and my guitar and just have cnn blaring in the background or whatever but i remember thinking <laughs> even then that something that i just absolutely fucking hated is when you would see somebody come on and they're in an interview or they're on a panel show but it's just like everything that they say was like you fucking practiced all of this in front of a mirror like Mm -hmm. you you maybe didn't know exactly what questions were going to be asked but you knew what the topics were and you already had all your answers written down somewhere or fucking like like no one is this gifted of an improviser because you're Mm -hmm. not improvising you're Mm -hmm. reading off a crib sheet or you rather you memorized a crib sheet basically and And the problem with a lot of these movies is that they they whether they mean to or not by having a rehearsed quality due to the fact that it's a movie they end up channeling that through the mouths of people who shouldn't be that way and that gives it like a lack of authenticity Um, which you can which i mean i feel like it's go one way or the other sure right and and that's to your point about a tarantino film it's a hundred percent it goes the other way there's no attempt to seem realistic you know Mm -hmm. that everything is canned that's the point it's supposed to be and so it works or you know a brecht i think a a good comparison for a film like this Mm -hmm. would be like a bertolt brecht play where yeah every i mean this is every line is is absolutely canned and Mm -hmm. every character is absolutely a type and they're supposed to be and the realism is not the purpose it's theatrical. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's done that way, it's fine, right? But in a film like this where everything else is so mm-hmm. hyper-realistic, you know, visually, you know, um, the, the, the settings, the, the political context and debate itself, that for the debates, that if those scenes end up feeling kind of lackluster and, and inauthentic, it takes so much away. And this film works mm-hmm. because those scenes end up being pivotal. And they, they're... I mean, I think the the questions that I forced my students to answer, um, oh, you know, most yeah. of them I can't wait revolved to get to around those. <laughs> those scenes. Yeah, like, I mean, sure, it yeah. was, a couple of them were about those specific scenes um, because they were, they were done so well that I felt really good about having my students, like, key in on that scene and yeah. piece out, okay, like, who is, what is everyone 
saying here? What is the substance of the debate? Why did what, like what are the values that make this person want to sign the treaty and this person not? Like it's you know, it can sound like just an abstract thing. Oh, there's a treaty. Some people want to sign it, some people don't. But why? Like what is yeah, it totally. concretely about these people's lives and their values and their understanding of the situation, right? Well, and this is something that I lo- that I really love about this movie is that it takes a a trope that has been done uh, a million times for sure, but it throws this this like just slight twist on it that I that I really really love, which is like people have done the brothers or the family torn apart by a war and brothers fighting on opposite sides of a war or, you know, uh, uh, maybe not brothers, but best friends or something like that. Like that is like a tale as old as time and it's been done to death. But the thing that this movie does that I love so much is that instead of like uh, most movies would, would kind of, they'd sort of like, put a pin in that like like they'd sort of uh, i don't want to not put a pin in it that's not the right way to put it but like they'd sort of foreshadow that very early on and then kind of have a thing where halfway through a conflict really breaks out and now these people kind of find themselves on opposite sides and that's usually how that works and what happens here is that you have like this very it's this sort of slow realization of what's going to happen where you have two brothers who are very much on the same side of a uh-huh. conflict and spend most of the movie being on the same side of a conflict and yeah. fighting shoulder to shoulder and Teddy being a absolute hero. Like, yeah. no question about it. The guy has his fucking fingernail, all 10 of his fingernails oh. fucking pried off because he won't sell anybody out. Yeah. And then... At the kind of right at the very end, you if they just Teddy and Damien just have differences uh, in in terms of their philosophy, in terms of what they're fighting for, that are irreconcilable, and they end up turning on each other in this really like it. It's not it, it, it. This one thing that I really appreciated about this movie is the way that it like. It succeeds at trying to do what a, or it, it succeeds rather at doing what a movie like Mystic River tries to do in this very emotionally manipulative way. And like, I don't, have you seen Mystic River? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I don't remember it. Detail, it's not bad. But, like, it's, yeah. it, it was good. It was reasonably okay to good. Uh, but it certainly was not great uh, because it's so, emotionally manipulative and uh-huh. it, it, it's yeah. like very much like it, it's it's trying to like it's it's wrenching you in all these different directions in a way that can sometimes feel inauthentic and you know you're mm-hmm. supposed to watch that movie and you're supposed to come away feeling kind of feeling really bad for everybody involved and feeling like you really understand each of the characters and and you're you kind of just feel like wrecked by the end of the movie by the the situation that they have been put in and this movie is not manipulative and exactly. succeeds way better at doing exactly. the thing because it's even earned. like i would if you know like it on paper i should hate teddy 
uh-huh. for for what ends up happening because of course uh, Teddy eventually sides with the nationalists uh and ends up literally executing his brother Damien over Damien's refusal to sell out to do what Teddy refused to do earlier in the fucking movie exactly and, exactly and yet i never like when when it when all that goes down with Teddy at the end of the movie it feels like you're it feels like you're being disappointed by someone you really like. That's correct. It, and and, and it, it's earned. Yeah, it's yeah. earned. It, it's because I still am deeply at the end, deeply angry at Teddy. Of course. Um, but I also but, feel kind of bad for him. You know, this weird way. Like, yeah. Or at the very, very least, you know exactly how he got to where he is. Yeah, yeah. And even when you disagree as fervently as I do, I mean, mm-hmm. keeping in mind, like I've, this is a thing that I has been on this. These themes have been on my mind for most of my adult life. Like sure, yeah. I have a strong, deeply embedded feeling about who's right and who's wrong here. And yet even I watch this film and I am reminded why people make that choice. Even though I'm still mad, the, the character of Teddy is portrayed so effectively that at every step of the way, you know why he's making the decision he's making. And it's never egregious or out of character. He is so deeply committed, right? That you, as you say, he, he, I mean, he's the one at the start that brings Damien into the struggle. He's the more radical one. Uh, he is the leader of the struggle. He is the guy that gets his fingernails pulled out and refuses to give in, right? He is so much on board. And yet there's also a crucial, crucial turning point scene in a courtroom where the Irish Republican court, they have liberated a town and they're holding a session in court. Uh, And there's a woman who is, who is presiding as the judge under the, you know, unofficial, but, but existing Irish set of laws that they've created. And they are there. It's a conflict between a shop owner, a grocery shop owner and a poor old lady and this guy has been yeah. extorting her for interest because she hasn't paid the debt that she owes to the grocery store. And the judge says, this is bullshit. You're extorting this woman. You need to pay her back. Grocery yeah. store bourgeoisie guy is pissed off. He storms out of the courthouse and Teddy follows him out of the courthouse to say, don't worry. This court has no power. Everything's cool, yeah. which sounds We're gonna get this figured out. Right. And sounds really, really bad on the surface. It is. And I think it's a crucial mm-hmm. moment at which things are going to go south. But Teddy has an Definitely, answer. And the yeah. answer is this guy's given us guns. This guy's on I our side. I need this guy's money so we I can need, buy guns. Right. Which we is can't like win the revolution duh. without him. <laughs> you know, That's yeah. a fair yeah. point. It's a it's a hundred percent fair. fair. Yeah. Even though the arguments that people make in response, Damien and Dan and Lily and Sinead all respond by saying like, well, then what's the point of the revolution if we're just going to let this shop guy uh, extort this old woman? I mean, aren't we trying to build a better society? If, we, if we're going to yeah. sell out old, poor old people now, then, you know, we're going to sell them out 20 years from now, even if we win the revolution. So what's the goddamn point of winning? Like, it's so well done. That is exactly... Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is a point I want to make. I've been thinking this through. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, in, in major political moments, revolutions, strikes, 
you know, any anti-colonial, any major political mobilization, there are conflicts, internal conflicts that emerge. And it's very easy on the outside to look at them and say, why can't these people just get together? Why are they fighting amongst <laughs> themselves? Get over it. Why You're can't we be lose. friends? Why can't, yeah, why yeah. can't you, can we not just find <laughs> unity so that we can win and then afterwards we can sort these things out? And look, it, everyone, lots of us make the mistake of, of leveling that criticism. When you are mm -hmm. inside it, you understand why these things cannot be let go. The stakes are incredibly yeah. high. And this film does such a good job, especially through the character of Damien, of showing us why the stakes actually are really high. And this is not just a silly debate. It's not just academic. It's not just theoretical. It's about if we're going to get revolvers and shoot dudes with them, we have to know why we're doing it. And if there yeah. are competing visions of what we're trying to build, we have to sort that out. So for me, that's like, it's such a profoundly important thing that most people who have never been part of any kind of struggle like this wouldn't necessarily know. And I think Ken Loach shows us that like with such subtlety, with such nuance, like you can't come away from the film without, as you say, at the very least, understanding the motivations of both the protagonists and the antagonists. I mean, not the British, obviously. Fuck the colonizers. But no, within, no, no. Yeah. You know, but yeah. within it, you you fully know. I mean, you know. So to me, that's, I think, no, that's what see, makes this film. And that's another reason why this movie is great is that the while we have that, uh, like, so a problem that a lot of these movies that sort of do the same thing are stories. I mean, it's such an old trope. It goes back. I'm sure to there's Homer probably wrote a play with this trope in it. Like I like <laughs> yeah. that's how old it is. But the problem the the that always um that we that we sort of always uh that I always reach with a lot of these stories is that it often ends up being a situation where you're supposed to at least more or less sympathize equally with both parties but it's in a war where you're like well no those guys are right and those guys are wrong yeah and like i don't care it's like your your uh attempt to try to uh you know situate this like potentially like uh you know um this conflict with potentially global implications or at least like uh, far reaching national implications um, to your attempt to situate that as secondary to a relationship between two guys doesn't uh -huh. mean I'm going to feel that way about it. And so, like, if you do something about two brothers fighting on opposite sides of the American Civil War, I'm sorry, I'm going to side with the guy who's yep. the northerner because the northerners <laughs> yep. were right. So, like, yep. uh, I don't care. But in mm -hmm. this situation, it's different because in there's a there's a secondary uh or i shouldn't say secondary there's a there is a larger almost more like primary contrasting force with teddy that is a thousand times more evil than teddy is and a thousand times like you know for for all the the uh the the sort of um the this uh you know emotionally resonant uh like conflict between these these two sides and these two brothers in particular at, 
lurking around every corner are the black and tans who are just pure fucking evil, like who have no, you know, they're, they, they might as well be fucking, you know, dementors or something. Like they literally are just there to, you know, it's almost it's actually almost like cartoonish how evil they are they're they're yeah. colonizers they're the that was one thing that i that i loved about sort of the beginning of this movie is that like like the black and tans are barely characters i don't even know if one of any one of them even gets a name they yeah. get into conflict with them a lot but it's just like there's no question about what they're like and i yeah. and i i like that about it because it it really does not that anyone watching this movie or would ever get a, the impression otherwise, but like they really show that like this is why, um, even even under the guy, which of course the British Empire was not doing this, but even under the guise of of like liberating um someone, like going to another country and colonizing it will never be liberatory because this is what those people who are doing the liberating will fucking look like the, yeah. the quote unquote liberating, obviously like they, yeah, yeah. they they're going to equivocal beat he's the like, shit he's out of a guy. About it. It, you know, in the very first scene is a guy getting this shit beaten out of him. Cause he won't say his name in English. He only yeah. says it in Gaelic. And then, um, and then the next scene that the black and tans are in, they beat up a guy for refusing to let them onto a, and there's just like, there's no, they, there's no debate with among yeah. amongst them about what to do yeah. oh should we really be doing this no they just beat the shit out of people because that's what they do they're the fucking black yeah. and tans they that yeah, exactly they're just goons who beat and kill people that's just yeah. what they do and I so i love that he's unequivocal about it he doesn't yeah. even he doesn't waste a single second of this film's runtime giving you any reason to sympathize at any level with the fucking colonizers and that's no. that's the correct move Instead, he spends a ton of energy getting us into the competing interests in this struggle mm -hmm. and like and and why people would choose the sides that they choose. And, and I and, you know, I, I want to give him credit for something, which is, OK, yeah, of course, he doesn't give the colonizers any any space. That's but that's a that's. I mean, that's how it should be. And of lots course, of left yeah. filmmakers would would also do that. Definitely. But what I think he does well is that he situates this debate between the nationalists and the uh, socialists. But he's he's not equivocating about that either. No. I mean, he's on a side. Ken Loach. I mean, that's of one of the questions I asked in the in the questions I gave the students uh, was um, at the end of the film, the two brothers are on opposite sides. How did that happen? If they represent the split within the movement for Irish freedom, who do you think benefited most? Who was right? Um, and, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Damien was right. At least that's yeah. the point the film is making. And that's certainly what I think, Definitely. you know, um, socialism had to be at the heart of the struggle. The struggle had to be about fighting against the oppressive class system that kept a handful of rich people rich and everyone else fucked and when the when a section of the irish movement including you know his brother teddy who had been this emotional leader when they when they accept this half measure this half-assed peace treaty that leaves all the basic structures of society in place it derails the struggle and it it 
it gets to a place where it's like, well, why? What, what's it all for? And keep in mind, Ken Loach is making the film in 2006 with the benefit of yeah. almost a century where you can look at Ireland and say, well, that fucking sucks. You've got, yeah. you've got the southern part of Ireland, which is a capitalist nightmare. Um, you know, it's gr- I mean, it's great if you're a fucking finance guy in Dublin. Um, yeah, totally. But Irish people are still poor. Still a lot of poor people yeah. in Ireland. There's still a lot of inequality in Ireland. And then you got they the only, fucking six they counties They only legalized the abortion like five years ago. Right. Like, right. I realize that's not like, I realize that's, that's not technically like, uh, that, you know, that's not a question that comes up in this movie, but like, it's completely fucking tied to. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, you know, like the fact that they, that they didn't radically restructure Irish society after exactly. the Anglo Irish War. Exactly, exactly. And, and meanwhile, in the, in the North, I mean, a century's worth of ongoing violent struggle in Northern Ireland that is yet to be solved. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, you can't look at how it played out and say, oh, no, it all worked out fine. Like, it clearly didn't. Damien was clearly right. Dan was clearly right. And I, I think Ken Loach is like, he's absolutely making it clear that that's the case. He shows there's those scenes at the end of the film where Teddy and the, and the Irish free state guys are literally doing exactly what the black and tans had done. Right. I mean, they, they literally show up to the same house. Yeah. The house where, where in that opening scene, the black and tans arrest all the guys for playing field hockey and they kill Michal. The, Teddy and the guys with the Irish Free State at the end of the movie show up at the same house looking for IRAs who continue to be on the socialist side. And of course, you know, the the mother of that of the house is saying, like, shame on you. We fed you. We brought you into you've been part of our home. They mean they know each other. The betrayal is so is so um, poignant. So I like reminded me of the experience, if you don't mind, I, I like I'll, I, my like, uh, unfortunately, sort of um, uh, introduction to a lot of, or even just like the extent of the understanding I have of a lot of like political figures is to just like go on Wikipedia and just be like, oh, okay, like, what's this guy's deal or whatever. And this movie gave me the exact same feeling as like, you know, reading about, I, I wish I could think of like a, a perfect example. The, the best example off the top of my head that I can think, think of, which feels really like lame and stupid is, uh, someone like, uh, like, uh, Edward Dimitrick or, uh, Burl Ives, like people involved in the Hollywood blacklist. Um, probably because we like just talked about that not that mm-hmm. long ago, but mm-hmm. where you're, you, you, you read like the early life section and you read like the first half of the career section and you're like, damn, this guy's cool as fuck. <laughs> like he did all, he did this and he did this and he did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love this guy. This guy's so cool. And mm-hmm. then you're like, and then it's like, okay, all right. All right. 1951. What happened then? Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, you named names. Okay. Yeah. Well, that yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's what this movie is like, where you're, you're like, cause like Teddy is kind of in a, in like an action movie way. Like Teddy is cooler than Damien in a lot of yeah. ways. He's like actually yeah. fucking like, like he's, he's like, he's bigger. He's stronger. He's kind of, you know, he's less bookish. He's like, I love the, the scene where he's dressed up like a black and tan to 
which is like also uh mm-hmm. um a bit of a like some foreshadowing yeah. there but when he's like dressed up and he like he sort of like salutes them and then and then just starts shooting at them and yeah, everybody yeah. just fucking like like uh uh descends on this like uh i can't remember what it is it's like a like a cavalry like yeah you know whatever armory of some sort yeah Yeah. and um and you're like you know uh of course i kind of knew where the movie was going but like there's a lot of moments where you're like this guy's cool as fuck yeah oh yeah and then yeah it's just like that feeling that by the end like and and it's it's one of those things too where it's i say it really is you feel disappointed more than yeah. more than anything else because it, you, you, if you've been around long enough like you've seen it happen oh and totally you, right you know what it is and you know that like because you've seen you know um uh the um damien's love interest uh I've, i'm forgetting her, her name Sinead. she's fantastic in this by uh too by the way orla something i can't remember orla yeah i can't remember what her last name is but she's she's really fantastic in this and the 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 female roles are um certainly like there's there's less women in this movie than there are men but all of the female roles even the ones that don't necessarily get a lot of screen time are all like uh extremely well written extremely there's a reason why they're there like they they they're just as important as anyone else even in even like you know you talk about the old lady who's like like, she's not in it that much but she's such an important character um but like you know when you see uh sinead like get her get basically fucking scout half scalped by these uh these black and tans that scene is oh that's a rough a rough watch but like you when you watch that scene and then you see that there are people on one side of the conflict saying like we're we're, we're you know this is how people in this situation almost always frame it where they're you see them saying like we want to stop the violence we want to yeah. end the war it's like that's pretty fucking compelling when yeah when like you look next door and you see somebody getting scalped and somebody's like coming to your door and saying like we're the side that wants to put an end to this yeah and they're able to frame the other side as they want to continue the violence because of course like you know they're the the thing that no one really is able to like take the view from a thousand feet up and realizes that like no actually this side is going is pro continuing the violence it's just a different type of violence or like exactly. a very specific target of violence exactly like, exactly yeah. exactly it's 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 one side that wants to say end the war so that class war can continue mm-hmm. yeah. and and of course they don't say that but but you know damien's character and dan's character are always there to point it out i mean that scene again in one of the debates where dan i mean it's just fantastic scene um they're having this debate it's um it's actually right after the courtroom scene so it is still on that it's still the one of the earliest moments of of where debate where a contentious debate is happening here totally uh and and dan the train conductor goes over to two young guys who are on Teddy's side and they're kind of laughing like they kind of like they kind of think it's funny that there's these kind of 
these socialists that are start that are mm-hmm. like saying all this stuff about you know the principles or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know Teddy has just said like no we need this guy because he's the guy providing us with guns like let's be mm-hmm. like let's live in reality here yeah, and these sure. two guys two young guys they're kind of like oh yeah oh. and Dan goes to them and gets right in their face and says you guys open up your pockets show me how much money you have in your pockets. And, and yeah. there's this, and there's guys around that are trying to say like, no, no, don't let him don't let, but, but he proceeds with it. And the, the, the two guys basically are like, yeah, no, I don't have any money. And Dan says to them, if we start allowing the shopkeeper Sweeney mm-hmm. to, to, to extort that old woman in the courtroom, do you think for one second that our revolution is going to put money in your pocket and protect you? That woman in, in the gro- uh, in the court could have been your mom. You know, it could have been your mom. Yeah, totally. Like he reminds them of their class because they've been swept up in a nationalist struggle and nationalism's a fucking scourge. Jackson, you know how I feel about this. <laughs> yes. Nationalism is a, a ruling class ideology that exists for the sp- express purpose of obscuring class struggle and obscuring mm-hmm. the daily injustice of class and nationalism papers over that and says, Oh, we're all Irish here now in yeah. an anti-colonial struggle. There's obviously a reason why nationalism is a go-to, right? I mean, because yeah. it's a national thing that's happened. The English have colonized Ireland. You've all, you're all suffering by virtue of being Irish and uh, by speaking your language, by, by, by exercising your culture, by expressing yourself as Irish, you are, you are the target of British colonialism and, and you're be expected to assimilate. So, well, and, a- and you could certainly understand too, why in a, in a, you know, in like straight up poker or whatever, like in a situation where it's, well, you're either throwing your bag in with the nationalists or with the colonizers any reasonable person is going to be like, well, I guess I'm a nationalist then. For sure. Of course. It's a totally reasonable position in that starting point when, you know, and this is mm-hmm. only when you're a colonized nation and it doesn't count if you're the colonizers. No, no. Like, it, fuck, it, any, fuck anyone who's a Canadian nationalist, right? No, but yeah. Like, nationalism outside of a colonial context yeah, yeah. is, is uh, the, it's a, if it's not fascism itself, it's it's a gateway drug. Yeah, or white supremacy. I mean, you know, if you're a yeah. Belgian nationalist, you're just a white supremacist. But to be <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah right? exactly. But to be a nationalist in a in an anti-colonial situation is different because you've been colonized <laughs> oh, along national lines. Different. And so, and I remember, like you know, I remember spending a lot of time during my master's degree in the Department of History in Winnipeg full credit to that fantastic department. It was like two of the best years of my life. And we went so deep on this problem down through the years, down through different struggles the, the of anti-colonial nationalism. And to what extent is it a progressive force? And to what extent is it a reactionary force yeah. that draws you back down into the same old rabbit holes of injustice? And Ken Loach clearly has thought through the same problems. And these are problems that have been discussed by by anti-colonial theorists and revolutionaries around the world in every place. And he really brings it to life here in such a, in such a simple scene, that scene where Dan is talking to these two young guys and saying, how much money is in your pocket? If we aren't fighting for the interests of people like that old lady who's being extorted in the grocery store, then what difference does it make if this is a free Ireland? Cause you're still going to be poor. And the, and there's a moment where those two guys like they've lost their swagger 
and they're they're they haven't changed their mind necessarily, but they're no. they're just kind of taking it in, and you can see that they're kind of shook by what they're hearing because they know he's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just such an important moment, and it's before the split has really happened, but it's saying like this is where it's going. If you don't stand up for class struggle now, if like there, there may have been a moment for nationalism, but it's time to set that aside and it's time to do class struggle. Yeah. Um, it's foreshadowing, but in a non hacky way. Exactly. Exactly. And, and they miss the moment, the moment Mm -hmm. passes and the nationalists win. And, and that sets the stage for what ends up happening to Ireland, which is they do not successfully, fight a socialist revolution and win. And Damien O'Donovan, the, the, the sort of hero protagonist of the film who shoots a childhood friend in the head. Yeah. Right. Because he, because he gave up information under pressure, under duress, but he, he gave up information that led to a bunch of IRA guys getting killed. And so he had to deal out revolutionary, discipline mm-hmm. he had to maintain revolutionary discipline and he says i mean that scene is so wrenching i cried again watching it's such it this a afternoon. good scene yeah and right before he pulls the trigger he says to dan this ireland we're fighting for better be worth it and yeah. i mean oh i mean it's a gut punch when you see it it's even more of a gut punch when you know where the movie's going yeah, and yeah. you know that it's not gonna go where he wants damien wants to build a better ireland and in the end you get the same ireland the part with, that kills as, me because he's young like that's the other thing the 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 guy that he ends up executing uh in that scene is I don't know how old he's meant to be oh he's a kid yeah the he's movie, supposed to be he's like 16 or young. 17 like he's yeah. yeah he's he's a, he's barely yeah. an adult if if at all yeah and the the part that always uh sticks with me that and this is one of those things that's like it uh it's one of those examples of someone just completely eschewing uh, subtext and just going, no, the text will do fine here. We yeah. can just state it outright. And the I believe the last thing that the kid uh, says before he gets shot is I'm scared. Yeah. Which oh, is like that. That is one of those things where you're you like you watch that and you're just like, holy shit. Oh, I know. It's so. Know. Yeah, it's it's, no, it's completely it heart wrenching. Yeah, yeah, it got me too. Again, like I said, just this afternoon, and and he's saying it to Damien because he because he trusts Damien because Damien is such a kind, you know, kind person who's who is a doctor who's cared for him through the years. Like it just it's so wrenching. Look, let me ask. I, I've mm-hmm. I've talked so many times about I gave sure. my students this assignment. Okay, and we've yeah, talked about right. some of the questions. Yeah, let's do I'm it. I'm going to ask yeah. you one of the questions. Okay. So I, you are student. This question's worth four marks, by the way. It was four out of the 20 marks in the assignment. The scene yep. in which Damien executes the young boy, Chris Riley, is an upsetting one. Why did the Irish Republicans decide that Chris had to be executed? Why did Damien make the decision to go ahead with it despite his affection for Chris? How does Chris's mother react? Do you think Damien made the right decision? The film seems to intentionally make this difficult and uncertain for the audience. We don't know if it was right or wrong. Why do the filmmakers do this to us? What do you think they were trying <laughs> to say? Jackson. All right. Well, okay. So one thing I'll, I'll say immediately is that if I was actually doing an assignment, I would go back and find uh, like things that people said, which are all like, that's all ethered for me now like yeah, i don't yeah, I, I don't remember I what people say about it or what uh um 
necessarily like I don't actually remember how his mother uh, how his yeah, mother reacted that's fine. That's like fine. That. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like uh, as far as so like obviously and I was expecting to one of the questions would be like did he do the right thing was it the right <laughs> yeah. thing to do? and yeah. I guess my 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 answer to that that question would be there's a difference between doing something that's morally right and doing something that's strategically correct Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that I that I think about sometimes because of the person that I am, I I, I tend to bring a lot of um, political uh, conversations back to sports, um, because I think <laughs> the way that we talk about politics and sports are. It's like they're the same in all the wrong ways and different or, or they're they're Yeah, they're the same in all the wrong ways and different in all the wrong ways. But you could actually talk about, uh, like, you can't, like, the, you know, for example, like the horse race uh, thing of, like, you just talk about politics in terms of, like, who's winning and, and not in terms of, like, principles or whatever. And it's like, we do that in instances that are wrong and not in instances <laughs> where it's like, well, no, you do the strategically correct thing because uh, I'm not a football guy, so I can't remember the guy's name, but. You play to win the game. So, uh, from a, like, from a, from the leadership of this, like, you know, IRA cell or whatever you want to call it, like, from the leadership's perspective, uh, you have to send a message about whether or not you're going to tolerate people ratting on their comrades. And if you do anything other than dole out justice, you will be seen as tolerating ratting out your comrades. Mm-hmm. That's at least the the way that Damien is looking at it, the way mm-hmm. that other people are looking at it. I mean, as far as my like personal moral qualms are concerned, I have a very hard time justifying uh, murdering a teenager. But strategically, mm-hmm. I don't think you can make the case that it would have been better strategically to not do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, morally, you can maybe there's one person who, uh, who says we should just tell him to leave the country and never come yeah. back. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's probably what I would do if I was in that position yeah. because I would have a very hard time. It's just one of those things. It's just one of those things where it's like, it's not even really about philosophy. It's, it's like, um, a thing that I say to vegetarians all the time where I said, look, if I had to kill my own yeah. meat, I'd become a vegetarian in literally five seconds. I just don't <laughs> yeah. think I'd be able to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah. so, yeah. so yeah, it's, 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 it's essentially like, well, there's a difference between what's morally right and what's strategically correct in a war yeah. given the circumstances. And so, um, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's what I would do, but I also think it's, uh, I, I, it you'd feels hate to gross have to, to make say the it's choice. justified, but yeah, yeah, you'd hate to have to make the choice. You'd hate to have and to make the me, choice. Yeah, that's and that's the point. That is the, the point. that's what the movie's trying to say. You'd, hate, you'd hate to have to, have to make, make the choice. choice. You hate that colonialism put you in a situation where yes. you yeah. had to make this choice. Damien tried to leave. He wanted to be a doctor, but he had to yeah. morally. He had to stay and be part of this struggle. He could yeah. not sit back and watch the things happen that were happening. And now that brought him here and he had to make that decision. And strategically, he knows that he has to make that decision. He knows that because anyone could give up crucial information under pressure and torture 
and they have to know that they can't do it. it like it for me, that scene is it's so the Kwame Teray quote about yeah. nonviolent resistance only works when your enemy has a conscience. Exactly. And the United exactly. States does not. Exactly. And the the thing that always comes up in and th- this is where I go uh, to the sports thing, right? Where where it's like a, a totally different like to to put this in like extremely stark terms in a situation where it doesn't matter at all. Like, <laughs> was it right for the Oilers to sign Evander Kane? Morally, no. Strategically, uh, yes. Sure, like, yeah, be- because it's like, you know, it's, it's yeah. going to be cheap. He's really good at hockey. No, you shouldn't do that because it's for a stupid reason that doesn't matter. Yeah, but yeah. you could see how when you transplant that question into something mm-hmm. that actually matters, how exactly. all of a sudden you start like, OK, imagine if the the consequences of like signing Evander Kane are they're going to shoot me in the head if I don't win the Stanley Cup. Then yeah. the conversation becomes different, you know. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. when I, you know, when I say like going back to, to sports or whatever, like. If there are things that you're, that you won't do out of, um, a sense of moral, uh, you know, imperative or like, uh, that you won't do because of your philosophy or because you think it's wrong or whatever else that your enemy will do, you are now at a com- competitive disadvantage. Because right. there are things that your enemy will do that you will not do. And that doesn't mean which, do everything yeah, which, that your enemy does. Exactly. And because it doesn't mean here's that. the thing. Here's the thing. This is why this film is so fucking smart. Mm-hmm. Because that scene does. Because it, the conclusion you just drew 100% makes sense out of that scene that we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. And yet the film is also still saying, but hang on a minute. If you just do the same, if you stoop to the same yeah. levels and make the yeah. same choices, you're just going to end up replicating the same class dynamics, the same exploitative and unjust dynamics down the line. You'll just end up doing the same thing. You actually At do. At what have point to are you not making yourself. the exact same case that Teddy right? is making? Exactly. With the, About with the, the guns. Uh, the fucking uh, guns. Yeah, the exactly. guns in the grocery store guy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's why this film is so smart because. When I say that this is a film where it's not juvenile about politics, mm-hmm. you're actually yeah. having an adult conversation. I am so rarely, when in doing films and talking about films, I, I so rarely feel like the film is having an adult, grown-up, informed conversation yeah. with me about that political thing. Here, I really genuinely do. The film challenges me. And... And it's hard because, you know, when I gave that question to students, you know, I I obviously got a lot of answers that were, no, he shouldn't have killed Damien because they were friends and or he shouldn't he shouldn't have killed Chris Riley because they were friends and he'd known each other forever. And the boy was under pressure. Like, I got a lot of those responses. Right. And I'm I don't blame my students, but no, of course not. Yeah. You know, it is a liberal. I mean, for people trained in liberalism and who just have liberal Mm -hmm. politics. There is this sense that like, well, no, violence is just bad. You shouldn't do violence. And the film is clearly trying to say, no, 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 you have to. You you absolutely sometimes have to. But and this is in some ways like I wouldn't want to have I would not do this podcast episode with a liberal. I will do it with you because I trust (laughs) you politically, but I would not (laughs) have done this with a liberal because you can't have the nuanced conversation where 
I know in the same way that what you just said, you wouldn't want to do it like that. Strategically, yeah. it makes sense because you have to have revolutionary discipline, but you don't want to do it. I mean, fuck. Do you me know too. what I think I do? I don't want to do it. I would feel like shit. I would feel like do you know I would what I feel exactly I would like Damien actually do in that situation. I think I would say, leave the country. If I ever see you again, we will kill you. And then I would go back to everyone and I would say that I killed him. I think <laughs> yeah. that's what I would do. I, I think mean, it'd be I would, a tricky thing to pull off, but you know, it would to, be. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, that, I, but know. I think that's probably I because I'm that's the kind of like moonshot. Like, well, just yeah. fucking try to do exactly the. Yeah. That's probably what I would do. It, it would be tough to us. pull off. But I know it. We like <laughs> that's probably it what I try to do. It was and a fucking metal man. Like yeah. he's going to have to yeah. hide. We know he's not skilled, but yeah, I, I know what yeah. you're saying. But I yeah. mean, this is why this, for me, this is why this film gets me so fired up. Like, I mean, we're an hour, more than an hour in and I'm, st- I'm yeah. just warming up. Like I could go all yeah, night. Yeah, totally. I know what you mean. Because, because this is a question that actually challenges me. This is yeah, a film totally. that puts me, uh, you know, and I say that when I say me that way, what I mean is like, I've already I've already done the political kind of work of figuring out what I mm-hmm. think. I know yeah, what I think. Sure. I'm with the struggle. Fuck yeah, capitalism. Yeah. Fuck totally. colonialism. This is not a, there's no I'm not ambiguous about any of this. So most films it's like I know from the get go where I stand. But this is a film that actually says to me, Tyler, you think you have it figured out. You're a revolutionary, yeah, you're yeah. an anti-capitalist, anti-colonial. Okay. But what are you going to do in this specific situation, which absolutely will come up? You absolutely mm-hmm. will have to address this. How are you going to manage it? And now I'm challenged, right? And and for me, that's why this film works so well, because it it meaningfully challenges us in each of those debates, the debate about whether to execute Chris Riley, the debate about what to do with the shopkeeper who's extorting an old lady, but providing weapons for the revolution, like even to a certain extent, the debate about the peace treaty, like Britain is threatening horrible, terrible war um, if we don't sign the treaty. And yeah. look, I mean, I think by that point, I, I know where I stand, but I would be I would feel like shit. I mean, maybe we should just sue for peace and then it's pretty reconvene later. It's yeah, a, there's a point yeah. there. There's a point there. So I love the scene where they're it's like, I don't know what it, where they actually are, but it looks like they're in a movie theater. It is. They're um, in a cinema. OK, yeah. yeah. Getting yeah. the newsreels in a cinema. In a cinema. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. But I was like, it's, oh, I mean, I guess it's, it's 1920 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what that looks like back then. Um, but I love that scene because it's very, um, like it's one of, it's a rare example of, of them putting something into a context that also makes completely complete sense a hundred years later where it's like, oh yeah. Like if uh, it's a bunch of people in a, in a movie theater, it's it, fuck. I keep coming back to sports, but it reminds me of when I used to watch the pay-per-view hockey games at the movie theater. And there's people because it's not like a movie. There's people fucking reacting to what's happening on screen. And I mean, sometimes you do this in a movie too, but like just having it be like people yelling at the screen, like that's so. I feel yeah. that so much in 2023, yeah. yelling at a screen and just being like. You know, because they get the news and it's like at first it's like, okay, well, that's pretty, that sounds pretty good. There's, okay, stop the war. Cool. All right. Irish free state. Okay. Sounds good in theory. I, mm-hmm. I like the words Irish free state. That sounds like a <laughs> yeah. good thing. And then it's like, yeah. 
uh, we're going to keep being a dominion of the British Empire. And then it's like, Ooh. boo! Like, yeah. it's literally like a crowd of people, you know, like, yeah. and then, and then it's like, uh, oh, and, and they're going to keep Northern Ireland. Boo! Yeah. And, yeah. and also you'll all still have to swear an oath to the king. And then yeah. it's, and then that's when Killian Murphy is like, hey, fuck this shit. Yeah. And he, yeah. and he literally does say, like, it, did we all just almost all get our dick and balls blown off? Like, <laughs> for this so that we could all still swear an oath to the king and it's funny it's funny that that's the thing because that's in it material like this is a weird one where materially that matters the least out of all Mm -hmm. the things but i understand how emotionally that Mm -hmm. would be the fucking thing where you're like abs no yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I think it's because it's the thing that you could just most easily refuse to do. Could just yeah. most easily be like, no, I won't do that. It's like yeah. standing for the anthem. It's just yeah. like being like, nope, not that yeah. because I don't have to and you can't make me. Yeah. And yeah. I love that scene. It's such a mm-hmm. good, like, I, I it, you know, it really breaks it up with all the, the scenes of people arguing and, and yeah. debating and to just have like, this thing being, you know, like I said, it's very evocative. It makes a lot of sense in 2023. This thing just sort of being dictated you, to you and you just screaming yeah. back at it. It's like a reaction the, video. It's yeah, like a, it's it, just it, a reaction. It's, yeah, just, exactly, we're just watching yeah. them react to yeah. this thing. And yeah, absolutely. Very organically again. I mean, the film, the, it, the film does a lot of the, the setup sort of in, in the early phases where it's just kind of walking you through what are the British doing? You know, what are the back and forths? There's a lot of really cool set pieces, like robbing the armory to get the guns. That's a wicked scene. Shooting Ooh, the yeah. four guys in the pool hall. That scene fucking rocks. Oh, it's so good. That's I, such a great yes. scene. The, gun, the old Irish guns guys in the bar. this movie. I, I can't. Yeah, I have guns, to just restate that. They're well shot. <laughs> there are like, guns. They're shot. Yeah. There are people getting shot. It's great. Just for some fantastic scenes. And then in the second half, I feel like that's when you start, you get this succession of kind of, yeah, reaction moments. And okay, now that the pieces have been put in place, what does everybody think? And what is everyone's different reactions to these things? The courtroom, the the cinema, obviously the debate about the, the treaty. Like, I just, it's... Um, it's just so well constructed. I mean, it's just such a fucking good movie and for it to be so politically nuanced and interesting and sophisticated, like, I mean, it is the reason why I've watched it 15 to 20 times and <laughs> totally. forced my students to watch it. It's because it whips ass. It fucking whips. So it absolutely why don't rules. you, uh, why don't you throw the rest of these questions at me? I'm really curious okay. now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you can, let's, I mean, some of you may have already answered and there's, you can skip any that you don't want to, but uh, yeah, first, sure. I mean, first question yeah. is, uh, okay, film opens with British soldiers arresting a group of young men. Do they give a reason for this action? One of the young men, Michal, is killed by the soldiers. Uh, what had he done? How, oh, here, this is the good part. How is okay. this connected to the ideology of colonialism? Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that is a good question. Yeah. That's the key there. That's, yeah. Cause, cause yeah. Cause the, the obviously like, uh, you know, it, the question of like, do what's the reason? Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they give some bullshit reason. <laughs> yeah. They don't. Yeah. It's not a good one. Like, no. I think their their reason is like it's wartime and it's uh you know like gatherings of this many people are illegal. So like, yes, you can't that do is that what it was. Whatever, That's right? what it was. Yeah. And then the guy won't say. But the important, the really important thing is that the guy won't say his name in English, and yes. that's not even really like it's too. It's it's the dual. Like it's a it's a dual uh 
uh, you're, you're you're as uh, as Ricky would say, you're getting two birds stoned at once there because <laughs> on the one hand, you're reinforcing like English is the language of the colonizer. You see this everywhere. You see it in Canada. Certainly. Yeah. English oh, yeah. is the language of the colonizer. You're going to speak the language of the colonizer. Um, and that's just how it's going to be. And so that's sort of like front loading the um, the the kind of um, ideology, I guess, the sort of propaganda element of it is like we're boss. You're not boss. Like you speak. You, you speak how we speak, uh, especially when you're talking directly to a cop or, a you know, black and tans were mostly mercenaries but yeah it's the same it's the same basic idea um and then the but then the the more important uh thing is just is the defiance it you can't it's the it's in a weird sort of way it's like the mirror image of like well this is this is defiance and we can't stand for defiance it's the um it's the reason why A Bug's Life is is my favorite Pixar movie, as it has the scene <laughs> where Hopper describes exactly the same thing, how you can't let one person stand up to you, because if one person stands up to you, then all of a sudden a bunch of other people are standing yeah, up to you. So you got to right. squash the bug yep. immediately, yep. or it it never comes back to you. That's a and that and that scene pretty, is yeah, it's a good it's a good scene. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I mean in in. In Michal's decision to say, no, nah, fuck it, I'm not saying my name in English. I haven't done anything wrong. And uh, and my name is Michal. It's not Michael. Um, yeah, which he, is true. Yeah, it's which not. is true. It's, it's yeah. not his name. And he, and he hadn't been doing anything. He was playing field hockey. Uh, yeah. And even if he had been organizing to fight against the Black and Tans, he that would have been be right cool to do and so. Good. Yeah. yeah exactly. And so he yeah. just refuses. And it's so the movie starts with this act of resistance, which in many ways is like among the most heroic acts of the film. Totally. Um, yeah. by a character who's on screen for, you know, only a few seconds because they immediately drag him into the chicken coop and murder him. Yeah. Um, but it's the catalyst for Damien making the decision that he has to stay and, and be part of this. And, um, you know, I mean, it, for me, like a good film about colonialism shows the violence and brutality of the colonizers, but it also shows like the bravery and courage of mm-hmm. those that resist it. And so... Yeah, pretty crucial moment, and and uh, yeah, obviously, including you know. the fucking cheap sellout nationalists. Yeah, like like I keep coming back to like it's one of the that's that's what I mean about Teddy is it's yeah. like at the end of it, it's just like you had your fucking fingernails pulled off, dude. Yeah, like just I, to do like, this, just so you could do this, and yeah, yeah. it's just like so yeah. dis- you said it right. It's so disappointing. Yeah. Um, second question on the list is kind of not, doesn't need our attention. It's, I just ask them to search James Connolly and make sense oh, of nice. the, yeah, the quote totally. that they read from him. Uh, third one is the Chris Riley execution, which we've discussed. Of course. Yep. Uh, question four. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, but, uh, question four is the split within the Irish Republican struggle first appears in the scene in the courtroom. The Republicans have created mm-hmm. their own court system. Uh, and the judges rule in favor of an elderly woman being charged extremely high interest rates by an Irish grocery store owner, Sweeney. What is the core of the debate between Teddy's side and Lily's side? Lily being the judge. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's I think yeah. probably an easy one to answer. I mean, we we did cover it, but yeah. it's but it's it's base it's on a on a baseline level, it's like pragmatism versus um, you know. Uh, I'm trying, you know, the the 
philosophical principle. moral yeah basis and principles of yeah. of why you're doing what you're doing and then the that even a thing like that is actually quite tough to yeah. that's one of those things that's a case by case thing i mean mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like basically everything lenin ever wrote was was just about like how this exact question is like it fucking depends Oh yeah, totally right. Like that's yeah. that's like every Lenin te- like uh, <laughs> luck, text yeah. is just like, oh yeah. Uh, so do we be pragmatic or do we do what we're uh, like? You know, do we like not betray the principles of the revolution? Well, it depends. Yeah, it really yeah. just depends on like fair. You know, yeah. like what you know? Are you do what? Do you have pocket aces or yeah. like are yeah. you? <laughs> you know, yeah. like it, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just purely purely like. Is, has the river card come up yet? Like, yeah. it's just purely like, where are you at in the game? Like, <laughs> yeah. My friend Matt and I used to laugh at the, the French uh, translation of what is to be done. Mm-hmm. In English, what is to be done kind of, you know, it's got a little bit of, of flair and, and yeah. verve to it. But the French translation of it is usually just que faire. <laughs> which always lands what such do, a fucking thud. <laughs> what do we do? That's so funny. <laughs> right. Could you imagine if yeah. the if the title of what is to be done was what do? <laughs> what do we do? What to do? Uh, so that's funny. Hilarious. But, but that's I mean, really you're good. right. Yeah. And and like, I think to to really put a fine point on this, mm-hmm. if you are serious about revolution and the, and the need of revolution, you have to very quickly come to the recognition that it's not going to be given to you. You're going to have to take it. You're going to have to fight. There's going to have to be violence. There's just absolutely no way around it. And every liberal that wants to cry about Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. know nothing about Martin Luther King Jr. and even less about Gandhi uh, and what happened there, (laughs) right? Because, because, you know, and I, whatever, I don't want to go in a rabbit hole about those things. The point is, no, violence we'll get a chance at some point, yeah, probably. someday, yeah. But the point is that yeah. violence is always going to be part of any struggle for justice because you have to you have to overturn existing inequalities uh, by people who do not want them overturned, and they have police and soldiers at the ready to do what they ask. So there's no way around. You're going to have to make hard decisions. You're going to have to make decisions that are fundamentally at odds with your goals. As a socialist, like my goal is to build a world where there is no need for violence, where there's no reason for people to be put into conflicts of the scale that would lead them into violence, that people can live in relative peace, in relative comfort, relative justice. And yet to get there, there's absolutely no way to do it without accepting some degree of revolutionary violence. And this film is just like giving you little moments of that and saying, okay, what if it's, what if this is the context? What if this is the context? So if you're serious about any of these values, any of these principles, you got to think about this stuff. You got to try to figure out how would you respond in each of these different cases? So, you know, it's like in yeah. many ways, it's, you know, it is a universal thing that the film is trying to get at. You want the last I, two yeah, questions? No, I, I yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I'm, I, I have to know. I'm just very curious now. <laughs> yeah. uh, question five. Again, we've talked about it a bit, but when a peace treaty is mm-hmm. announced in a packed theater, signaling the possible end of the war, the reaction is mixed. Many people are angry. Why? What was Britain's strategy in proposing this peace treaty? 
And then I ask, what is the debate that plays out? And who do you think was right? But we haven't talked about this bit. So what Mm -hmm. was Britain's strategy in proposing the peace treaty? That's one that we haven't gotten into. That is interesting, actually. That's that is one that I that you do have to think about for more than a minute to actually come (laughs) up with an answer for it. And I guess I guess what I would say, like instinctually, is I if I if I had to guess, like just sort of based on based on political instinct and based on what I do know about the conflict is I I think they basically pinpointed uh, a a sort of um, like a a sort of flashpoint, like a sort of uh, a key moment in the conflict where they would be able to essentially um, to to essentially divide and conquer and essentially Mm -hmm. be able to go, well, okay. We're, we'll give them these basically meaningless concessions that don't really like that, that may actually pay off for us because it means less boots on the ground, less resources. Why? Why pay uh, all these, you know, tens of thousands of black and tans to mm-hmm. come over here and do a job that we could get other Irish people to do for us? That mm-hmm. is my like, that's my instinctive. Um, yeah answer that question and then the other reason though is actually the thing that um the teddy says when they're arguing about it and i don't know if it's in that scene or if it's in later scene but teddy says they were never going to give us full independence if they give us full independence then immediately what kind of message is that what message is that going to send to india what Mm -hmm. message is it going to send to uh, look, I have to remember, you know, my British Empire from 100 <laughs> yeah, years ago. Kenya, I can't, Kenya, you know, there's lots of them. Yeah, Kenya. Yeah, yeah sure. You know, there's Canada, lot of, obviously yeah. there's lots of them, right? Like, yeah, um, they were never going to do it. And, uh, you know, I, the I, I would never like this is the only time in the movie where the question of internationalism really like props up at all or is really referenced or mentioned and it's funny because it's on it's coming from the side of the nationalists uh mm-hmm. but the there is like a certain subtext there i i think very obviously that is like yeah that's good that's why we want to do it like mm-hmm. if 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 us getting full append- full independence from the british empire means that next comes india and then comes kenya and then comes that is yeah. good. We are yeah. for that. That's the whole point. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just it goes a little bit beyond the scope of what the movie's about. But I'm glad yeah. that it's there. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think you're right. I mean, I think, you know, what the what 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 Britain's doing is they're anticipating exactly how this is going to play out, which is that they will divide the movement and the exhaustion of the war and the anti-colonial struggle will lead the majority of the IRA to side with the free state and accept the shitty terms, uh, you know, and and stop short of a full revolution, um, and and therefore British capital will continue to profit. Yeah, the basic structure will stay the same, yeah. and and you know, it's an example of a transition from colonialism to neo-colonialism. And yeah, yeah, no, it's it's well done. Um, and then the last question that I had asked, we've already talked about. It's about mm-hmm. uh, Teddy and. And, and Damien and what they represent right. and yes. and who was right yeah. and who was wrong. And, and I end with, you know, what is the what is the film trying to say? And right. I mean, it's there's so much, but I really yeah. think ultimately like the film is trying to say 
Revolution is no tea party. Yeah. Um, it is the not a dinner part party. Two. Yeah. It sucks. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It is hard. It's, it's difficult. There are decisions you're going to have to make, um, that feel impossible and, and feel like they go against, you know, the very principles that you're fighting for. Um, because it's a, because colonialism is shit and, and capitalism and inequality is shit. And we, it's, we have to get in this shit to fight the shit. Um, but we still, but we still need to do it. Like that's mm-hmm. what I like so much about the film is that it's able to be honest about how hard it is and how often it doesn't work out. And, and the, the, the morals, the sacrifices of your principles that you have to undertake. And yet the film still says, but you got to do it. You still got to do it because the alternative is worse. Not doing it will a hundred percent be worse. Um, which is, you know, it's where it ends, right? It ends with Teddy winning, shooting his brother, um, and, and killing the, the possibility of, um, you know, a truly revolutionary, uh, Irish struggle, by the way, historically, um, I mean, that was the moment where the split happened, but mm-hmm. there were, there were some last gasps of the socialist IRA and the socialist left in Ireland mm-hmm. um, afterwards, um, particularly after the Russian revolution. Um, there were, there were Soviets. There was a, there was a, yeah. you know, there was the Soviet of Limerick. Uh, Limerick, you know, uh, had, had a Soviet government for a while, <laughs> the, the town of Limerick. And so there were attempts um, but, but they Certainly. fizzled out, you know, the yeah. free state was getting weapons from Britain and working with Britain. And, and so they were on the side of power and, and that is both why they won and also why they didn't overturn the unequal relations that are at the heart of the film. So I want to, uh, end on, uh, one note that I thought was, was interesting when I, cause I did, I did bother to read, uh, very uh briefly like about the movie just to kind of know what i would be talking about uh kind of know something about it um and uh uh it's about the uh one thing that i read was about the the poem slash song that uh uh that gives the movie its name uh that i thought was interesting. I'm just going to read from the Wikipedia yeah. article because I thought this was, uh, was really interesting. Uh, the Wind That Shakes the Barley is an Irish ballad by Robert Dwyer Joyce, a limerick born poet and professor of English literature. The song is written from the perspective of a doomed young, doomed young Wexford rebel who is about to sacrifice his relationship with his loved one and plunge into the cauldron of violence associated with the 1798 rebellion in Ireland. The references to barley in the song derive from the fact that the rebels frequently carried barley or oats in their pockets as provisions for when on the march. This gave rise to the post-rebellion phenomenon of barley growing and marking the crappie holes, in quotation marks, unmarked mass graves into which rebel casualties were thrown. To many Irish nationalists, these crappie holes uh, symbolized the regenerative nature of resistance to British rule in Ireland. Barley growing every spring was said by nationalist authors to symbolize continuous Irish, res- continuous Irish resistance to British rule, particularly in nationalist literature and poetry written about the rebellion. And uh, I thought that was that really stuck with me when I read that um, the idea of like the you know, sh- like sh- murdering these people and then this barley grows and it's, it reminds me a lot of, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, almost 200 years earlier, uh, a version of, um, 
that uh, Pablo Neruda quote about how you can cut down all the flowers, but you can't stop spring from coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, they the Wikipedia article, of course, only talks about nationalism in the Mm -hmm. nationalist context. But uh, I thought that was very striking. The Mm -hmm. idea of like it's in it's literally in the land like it, it you 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 try to stamp out the resistance and you just have this barley growing it where you like i thought that was really uh that really was interesting and it really like it brings it back full circle of like oh even this title that just sounds so much like a a fucking like a an ai spat out a like the name of the ken loach (laughs) movie it's actually perfect it actually makes uh completely perfect sense and they do use the song in the movie as well um at Although, the funeral at Mihal's that's, uh, yes, funeral. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's but you know, it's not a subtle movie, but it No. But it is I mean, in, the, in it similar is and ways. It isn't. It's yeah, funny. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's not it subtle has... subtle about what it's trying to say. It's just yeah. subtle about uh the the um the the spaces in between the um the ideology of the movie. You know, it's yeah. it's subtle about the sticky questions. Yeah. That yeah, everyone it's like has to you know work through themselves basically yeah 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 totally yeah it's uh, you know i think my last word on it again is just this is a film that if you are i mean i think anyone would enjoy it it's a phenomenal film it's also just a really good movie oh like it's just so well done but then it is it is incredibly rewarding if you are someone who has already thought about socialism and you've already Mm -hmm. thought about colonialism and you've thought about revolution, if you've already kind of given these things some thought or been around such struggles or whatever, um, it's deeply, deeply rewarding to see the attention and the nuance with which those debates get framed when so often, you know, we get cartoon versions of them. If we get them at all, this is, this is a rare, instance where we get a a truly i think fair and nuanced portrayal of the debates and how they play out and how people end up on one side or the other and why the stakes are so high and why people care so much so good stuff i'm glad we finally uh i finally got to this one it was top of my list when we started plotting out this podcast so perfect uh perfect note to end on i i think we're we're definitely at time but uh just before we go I did want to ask because I enjoyed this movie so much. Uh, what's next up for if myself or others want to watch another Ken Loach movie? What's the what's the next one to go to? Oh, that's tough. I mean, uh, there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot that are so so. Um, sure. You know, like there, he, he doesn't always nail it. He doesn't always knock it out of the park like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Land and Freedom is is probably the next. Ken Loach movie to see that one's mm-hmm. uh, set in the Spanish civil war. Oh yeah. Um, okay. I think bread and roses is actually pretty good. Yeah, um, that in one fact, you know what? Yeah. Bread and roses. I might put next. It's a different vibe entirely. It's about the janitors uh, strikes, yes. the janitors union yeah. justice for janitors in, in LA. Um, and Adrian Brody is, is annoying in it. He sort of plays <laughs> a union organizer. He just irritates sure, as yeah, you yeah. might expect, that. but yeah, um, but the, the, the heart of the film is these janitors, mostly from Latin America, a lot of them older women, um, kind of building up their courage and their capacity 
to stand up to uh, their bosses, basically. Um, and actually, there is a scene from this movie that um, that I, I show in some of my classes where uh, the workers have been talking about forming a union and the, the sort of the really sort of shitty low rent boss um, uh, played by George Lopez, by the way, incredibly port- portrayed by <laughs> George Lopez. That's awesome, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, basically calls them in and threatens them and tells them, you know, unions are bullshit. Unions going to take off your paycheck, da, 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 da. So I would mm-hmm. say that's the next. If you're going for a next Ken Loach after this, that's probably the next place to go. Either of those are, are good. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'll add them to my letterboxed uh, watch list right now if they're not already on there, which they may be. But uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I'm going to try to get the next one out sooner than the last one. It's just changing seasons and I got a bunch of shit going on and, uh, it just took a really long time to, to get to this one. But, uh, are we, uh, did we decide on what our next one's going to be? Tyler, we talked you, about it. You... We talked about it. Yeah. Are, I, we, are uh, we really yeah, doing think... the social network? I think we should do the social network. Okay. Yeah. All um, right. Especially because we talked so much in this one about authentic <laughs> yeah. uh, dialogue and uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's also, it's been a while since uh, we've done, it's been a while since we've done a movie that one of, that either of us doesn't like. You're right. Um, you're right. I'll, I'll hesitate to say, um, uh, uh, a movie that's bad because certainly yeah. a lot of critical praise has been uh, lumped on it. But uh, yeah, no, it's also right. been a while since I've been a dickhead contrarian about a movie that everybody likes. <laughs> and in this case, I'm actually looking forward to it instead of dreading it. So um, yeah, uh, for Good. for people that, that uh, want to get ahead of us next episode will be the social network. And uh, um, for as far as this one goes, um, if you you know, if you want to watch a low quality rip, it's on the Internet Archive. Otherwise, I'm sure there's some kind of network of people globally that you could maybe share the movie with. Like a like a wave, like a huge wave, some, a torrential yeah, wave uh, of something like that. Uh, yeah. I, I highly recommend it because this is like it's certainly the best movie we've done that I hadn't seen before we started the show. If that makes you're sense. very welcome. That's the best movie I've watched for the show. You're very welcome uh, by by a considerable amount, actually. I think so. Yeah, go see it. <laughs>